Hi, everyone. This is Jim McCarty, welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 44. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And toward this end has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to discuss questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Gary Bean, Director of LL Research, and Austin Bridges, Assistant Director of LL Research, along with myself, husband to the late Carla L. Rucker, scribe for the Raw Contact, and President of LL Research. Each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We would be discussing questions that are sent to us from spiritual seekers around the globe. Our replies to these questions are not final or authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. We always ask each seeker who listens to exercise his own discernment and to listen for her own resonance in determining what is true. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at lrresearch.org or go to www.lrresearch.org forward slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Jim McCarty, and we're embarking on a new episode of LR Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Austin and Gary, are you there and ready to go? Ready to go and, and grateful to be on this show. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, our first question comes from Jeremy via um, Bring Forth. And Jeremy asks, Confederation sources have suggested several practices that can help us with our spiritual progress. I'm thinking in particular of such suggested activities as meditation, the practice of mentally exacerbating, I had a hard time getting that one out, exacerbating (laughs) and then contrasting emotions within, the exercises that involve seeing the Creator. There's also visualization exercises, and I'm sure several others. Have you, Jim, Austin, Gary, found any practices, exercises, or strategies that you use in your personal life to balance and examine the self? I'm thinking of anything that you can share, whether it augments confederation suggestions or strikes out on a totally different approach to knowing and accepting the self. Thanks. Gary, what have you to say to Austin or to Jeremy? I felt at first like I was listening to your Raw Contact audiobook for a moment uh, for... I'm up to session 85-ish, I think. Uh, For listeners who don't know, um, Jim read the entire uh, Raw Contact book and recorded himself, and um, the recording is absolutely amazing and is going to be such a gift. Um, But what I'm listening to while I cut grass and while I commute um, every day is Jim's voice um, in raw form um, without edits. And sorry, this is... (laughs) This uh, anecdote is a lot longer than I had anticipated, but um, there are times where Jim, while reading it, will stumble, and he'll say, time to take a drink, and have a good (laughs) day. And uh, actually, I think we could call the book uh, The Raw Contact, colon, time to take a drink. (laughs) So, um, that said, sorry about that. Uh, Regarding Jeremy's question... um, other than those techniques that he mentioned, I don't have a technique per se, save for the the highlight of persistence and repetition itself. Um, an effort sustained over the course of many years, even if there are deviations, even if there are momentary forgettings, yields results. Um, like boring down into the earth into one spot, the seeker eventually gets deeper and penetrates more 
and yields greater discovery. It's, it's like um, Ra likened the inner light to, or rather likened the will to an awareness of the inner light. And it's that, that inner light, that um, will, it's like it's a strong guiding undercurrent. Where there may be swirls of confusion on the surface, there is a slow-moving, forward-driving current underneath and within ourselves. And the more that you can tap into that, the more it intensifies, the more that the surface aligns with that deep undercurrent, and the more your whole being is magnetized and oriented to focus on the heart of your search for the Creator, for the Self. And those things which are distractions become more and more dim to the eye. Uh, I think Austin and I have been watching Jim undergo that sort of process. And uh, otherwise, um, in terms of technique slash practice, I couldn't, would recommend simply spending time being inspired, whatever inspires you. Um, there are different sources of inspiration for me. Some, whether it's nature or reading, I can get into somewhat exalted states just thinking or about the creator and and actually consciously do that. Spend time thinking and reflecting about the true nature of things. Silence obviously is the best teacher, but thoughts themselves can mine out that gold from within if those thoughts are directed and focused on the essentials and on um, the heart of the search. Um, and of course, simple, find time to rest the mind in simple beingness, in abiding in the moment as it is. And um, simply, <laughs> I feel like I'm stumbling a bit. I'm out of my, out of my groove. Um, time for a drink. <laughs> time for a drink. Uh, and maybe not water either. Um, I would recommend to you, Jeremy, to put, as, as much as is possible, put your attention in that place. Ask yourself where your attention is throughout the day. What is it that you're focusing on? And chances are, you come around to the Creator now and then, like most of us spiritual seekers, but chances are your attention is caught up in a million other things, like most of us spiritual seekers. And that's okay, but for we who wish to accelerate the journey, I think we do so by bringing our attention again and again back to the Creator, similar to the way we bring our attention again and again back to the present uh, during our meditations itself. And if I can give um, a nod of the hat to Jeremy in that regard, he came to visit us in April and um, stayed at my place, and I was really impressed that he woke up very early every morning in order to meditate and in order to read inspiring material and I still cannot seem to get myself to do that and I was uh, thoroughly impressed by that and finally if you're looking for techniques I know um, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's self-realization fellowship is just a um, a big instructional book on techniques uh, if you sign up with them they will mail you um, technique after technique that you are expected to practice in a sort of uh, structured, scheduled sort of way. And sorry for the longness. Back to you, Jim. Okay. Well, good job, Gary. Austin, okay. what do you think? 
Well, I think I do have some techniques to share with Jeremy. Um, the first one is a little bit weird. It was shared with me uh, with a friend who was going to school to be a psychologist. And uh, something she suggested was you could uh, videotape yourself talking about certain issues that you experience throughout the day uh, or catalysts that you're struggling with and then go back and watch that recording of yourself. And when you do this, just simply doing that is a very uncanny experience because um, if you really tap into your emotional side and really let yourself express the, the deepness of what you're feeling, um, you can sometimes be unrecognizable to yourself or even uh, see yourself saying things that you don't remember saying even though you said them just five minutes ago. I've only done this uh, a few times so far because it is uh, it can be a very powerful experience. And you can even take it a step further by doing things like uh, using a tape recorder to uh, ask yourself questions. And so you record a series of questions and then videotape yourself and press play, uh, listen to the question, pause it, then answer the question and keep going. And then you are literally, in a sense, able to have a conversation with yourself, very similarly to how a therapist might have a conversation with you. Um, and there are lots of different ways you can augment that, but uh, that is one technique that I have found that is very effective at working with catalysts and working through issues and finding balance and um, probably most importantly accepting the self and integrating the self and identifying aspects of ourselves that are not yet fully integrated uh, and then being able to watch yourself um, it's sort of like being able to look into a mirror at yourself, but sort of displaced by time. So you can see yourself sort of in action, accessing the emotion and watching that unintegrated part of yourself uh, out in the world. And then that makes it easier to um, experience that part and bring it back into yourself. Uh, but if anybody ever finds you doing this or walks in on you doing this, you will probably look like a crazy person. Uh, but it is very effective. Um, so that's one technique, probably the biggest one. Uh, another thing that I would like to mention is uh, a habit that I'm trying to solidify with a little bit of success uh, over this past year is um, the habit of just literal physical exercise. And I think that um, there's a lot of sort of bodily uh, unease and edginess that many people feel that is just the result of a sort of pent-up physical energy rather than really an imbalance of catalyst or, or imbalanced catalyst. And to me, exercising helps to clear my head so that the actual catalyst is more apparent rather than buried underneath this general sense of uh, sort of body unease. And uh, I think that there's also a sort of vital energy that flows better uh, when it is expended through exercise and it's sort of like clearing out the pipes and I think that that also helps us to balance in and of itself. It helps us to heal ourselves both mentally and physically when that energy is flowing. So exercise is one and then probably uh, just one more the most simple technique that I could suggest is just simply uh, journaling 
And this helps because one of the whole points of spiritual seeking and self-exploration is to make the unconscious available to the conscious. And just simple journaling is a surprising method that accomplishes this. Just think about how much goes on throughout your day that sort of simply falls away from your awareness uh, once you go to sleep. And the next day, how much do you really remember of what happened to you the day before? And we might go through a myriad of struggles or exciting situations throughout the day that we simply forget by the end of the day. And those things don't necessarily leave us, but they do sit in our unconscious minds as experiences that affect us. And uh, they are affecting us without us being aware of how they're affecting us or that they are even affecting us. So uh, journaling helps to keep these experiences within our awareness and provides a way to more consciously process those things and be aware of uh, what our experiences are doing to us. And this can work in just general journaling about your day, go through, write about how you felt throughout the day, what happened and how it made you feel. Uh, but also if you want to focus on certain things, like say you want to fix your diet and eat more healthy, um, just simply journaling your food intake, keeping a log of what you eat, can sometimes cause you to just shift your diet naturally because you become more aware of what you're eating and uh, less unconscious of your eating habits. A lot of people just eat sort of unconsciously and kind of munch and just don't really think about what they eat. They just eat. And uh, also things like exercise or creative endeavors or hygiene, uh, just anything that you want to put more focus on in your life to bring more balance to that area and bring more consciousness to that area. Uh, journaling is a great way to do that. It's an easy way and changes happen naturally after you start journaling. So and there's like tons of techniques, I think, that could be talked about, but I'll stop there and pass it over to Jim to see if he has anything to add. Good job, Austin. Those are all re really usable. I like those ideas. Well, um, what I had to offer is something that I've been trying to do, especially for the last year, and that is to uh, remain conscious throughout the day of the seeking process. And of course, the most uh, obvious way of doing that is to meditate as often as possible, even if it's only for a minute or two minutes. If you can take that little bit of time, every hour or two, just to remind yourself of why you're really here and what you really want to do. You're looking for the Creator. And that will help to keep the meditative process going for you throughout the day, which hopefully at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, you'd have a longer meditation period. But these shorter ones um, really do help to remind you of what you're trying to do, to seek the Creator within. Uh, one other thing that I found last year, about a year ago, I was outside working, and I noticed that there was a lot of mumbo-jumbo going through my head, just uh, uh, thoughts and uh, notes, rhythms and things that made no sense at all. And it just bugged me all of a sudden that all that stuff was happening in my head. So I wanted to find some way of uh, quieting that voice and replacing it perhaps with something that was more helpful. And all of a sudden, the idea of the Hallelujah Chorus came to me. I think it might have been Carla, I'm not sure, but she was classically trained as a musician, so um, I, I give her credit for it anyway. So throughout the day, if I'm um, doing something that doesn't take any real thought, like especially driving a car or outside working at a re repetitive type of a job, I'll just sing the hallelujah, just continually sing that. And it not only um, focuses my mind and gets rid of the junk in my mind, it also inspires me. I discovered that uh, when I first did it, uh, 20 minutes after I started doing it, I had tears going down my cheeks. And I thought, hmm, I'm getting to something here that has some feeling behind it, something that's important. 
And so I also incorporated it as part of my uh, morning meditation to get started. That it seems, uh, I've noticed in a practical sense, it seems to activate the uh, chakras, either the uh, throat chakra, the indigo chakra, or the uh, violet ray chakra, the crown chakra. So it's, it's a good way of getting, uh, <laughs> maybe getting your brain charged up and ready to go. Another thing that I've discovered while working outside was that I would carry on what I call fantasy conversations. I'm sure that most people engage in this from time to time. If you're having a problem with somebody and uh, you decide, well, now I'm going to, I'm, what I'm going to say to that person next time I see them is this or that. And usually we construct it in such a way that we, we beat the person in the argument, of course. You know, it's in our minds. We can do anything we want to. But if you uh, go to session 16, uh, questions 54 through 60, Don's asking Ra there about uh, the imagination and the, these types of fantasy conversations. And apparently, the Orion group likes to use negatively oriented thoughts that we create ourselves in these fantasy conversations to depolarize us. So I've reminded myself time and again when I begin any type of fantasy conversation, what I'm going to say to somebody, to not go into negative territory. If I want to talk to them, to say something positive, say something that's uh, loving and uplifting. Because um, wanderers especially are special targets of uh, the Orion group. We have the ability, hopefully, to make a difference in the world and to bring love and light into the world. And if we instead try to bring something that is confrontive, uh, um, doesn't have light to it at all, uh, then that can be accentuated and it slowly bleeds away the positivity. So I would uh, suggest that we keep an eye or an ear on our inner conversations and uh, try to send love and light when we can to anyone who we have a problem. Any final thoughts, uh, Gary or Austin, on this question? Um, just taking your inner conversation idea and integrating it with one of mine, this is actually a way that I've used it before, is um, noticing if you have a particular person that is always in your mind or a situation which is always playing out in your mind, you could um, videotape yourself holding both sides of those conversations out loud and like uh, sitting in a different chair for each one and just sort of moving back and forth and talking to yourself and then that act of actually speaking the words of the other person and putting on the mask of the other person and um, letting them hear what you're saying to them uh, is a good way of understanding their point of view and realizing that uh, uh, you are one with that person. And um, it's a good way to bring love to the situation because you start realizing how your thoughts and words can have an impact and uh, it helps shift the perspective of what you're doing and helps you process that conversation so it doesn't come back in your mind. So actually expressing it and getting it out there and living through it and um, processing it is a good way to do that. Yes, it's a really solid practical idea, Austin. Thanks a lot. How about you, Gary? Any uh, final thought? Yeah, bo both of your answers were um, brilliant and I hadn't considered naming exercise like Austin did, and I find in my own life um, as well that it is a, a foundational um, balancing practice. I'm really drawn to the uh, experience or sense of strength, and when I feel strong in my body, and I don't mean like meatheads sort of I can bench my own body weight strength, but um, just a minimum level of strength, um, active, lively uh, muscles and flex then I feel that corollary in my mind as well. I feel more sturdy. I feel stronger. I feel more able and capable of tackling the stresses of catalysts that greet each of us each day. And then uh, Jim's reply about bringing um, his awareness to everything that's happening in the day. Um, that's a state I have 
long yearned for but have had minimal success because and the way my own mind works and the way my daily life works it just seems so much that is juggled so much that goes through and it's been uh, a near impossible discipline but nevertheless one I uh, still strive for and I um I think that's excellent that Jim's able to um be more and more present and aware and there are a few things as alchemically transformative as um awareness itself of what is arising and falling away in the moment and uh finally jeremy it was austin that said that you needed to shower more not me <laughs> for the record <laughs> want to get that out there <laughs> that's it for me okay um one last thing for me on the uh, the mantra part. I'm not suggesting that everybody has to use the Alleluia mantra. You could make up your own, you know, uh, all is one or I seek the one infinite creator within or love is all and so forth. So you, know, you can be creative and find something that really has meaning for you and uh, hopefully it'll work for you. Okay, our second question comes from Nicholas via Bring Forth. He's got two questions on the topic of knowing our body. His first question is, how do you interpret this quote from 3.16? Quote, the various functions of the body need understanding and control with detachment, end quote. When I first came about considering this, I wondered if Ra was talking about the correspondences between our energy centers and glands, the indigo center relating to the pineal gland being one of the most studied in the New Age groupings, or at least it seems that way. Then I progressed to thinking about subtle pains within our body that point to a certain energy center and therefore hinting at an unobserved, excuse me, distortion, funny word to make uh, uh, mispronounced or a thought pattern what do you guys think so um, austin what do you think about the uh, various functions of the body that need understanding and control with detachment well i don't think that uh, nicholas's examples are wrong necessarily but i do think that Ra's statement was more basic and broader than what Nicholas is talking about, at least initially when we're learning about the body. I think that when discussing these functions of the body, we can sort of start looking at more basic functions like um, hunger or sexual urges and that sort of thing. And taking those two examples, I think Ra is saying that we must have a grasp on these sorts of functions so that they don't have control over us. Uh, take the idea of binge eating or eating food for pure comfort or um, how some people can become possessed by their hunger and become angry when they're hungry and uh, some people call it hangry and um, <laughs> I'm not innocent of this uh, but at this point this bodily function is uh, affecting our ability to act consciously and deliberately we no longer determine what is proper and healthy within that bodily function. That uh, hunger is actually determining that for us, and it has control over us, and uh, we're no longer acting as conscious beings when that happens. And sexual urges are similar. I've heard Ken Wilbur talk about this, and he's got a quote that I like, which asks, uh, are you having sex, or is sex having you? Uh, it's not that sexuality itself is a harmful factor in our lives, uh, though a period of celibacy might help some with understanding these urges, or maybe even a lifetime. If that's a, a path that somebody takes, maybe they're devoting their lifetime to understanding these sorts of urges. Uh, but in order for our sexuality to serve us, rather than us serving it, we have to be able to access it in a conscious and deliberate manner. 
And this is what I think Ra means when they say that these body functions need understanding with uh, control, understanding and control with detachment. It's not that they're, uh, these bodily functions are conquered, but it's that we are able to consciously and deliberately approach these functions and allow for them to be integrated into our greater beings rather for them to take over once they rear their heads. And uh, I also think that it goes beyond those basic functions, which is where Nicholas's examples might be more relevant. Beyond those basic functions, our bodies operate almost entirely unconsciously. Many of these unconscious functions can at least be observed with practice, like um, the most common example is observing the breath. You know, we're breathing all day long, and a great way to practice mindfulness is to just center your awareness on your breath, and then that unconscious function becomes a conscious thing. Um... And then, like Nicholas is saying, some glands may be related to various energy centers, and our uh, awareness of these things, how they feel when we're experiencing certain catalysts, um, those can probably be well understood and maybe even controlled in some situations. And uh, really quickly, I think an an example of this sort of deep control and uh, awareness of deeper body function comes from Buddhist monks. And uh, many Buddhist monks can deliberately slow their heart rate and do things like that. And a lot of recent studies into Buddhist meditation shows that Buddhist monks have a much higher pain tolerance than others. Uh, So pain tolerance might also be one of the body functions that Ra is talking about. Um, And, but I think the most impressive is their ability to regulate their body temperature because of the uh, examples that I've seen of them being able to do this. I know one that's verified is that they uh, put a Buddhist monk or multiple Buddhist monks in a room that was maybe about 40 or 50 degrees and then put a um, wet blanket around them. And that is normally an equation for hypothermia. But the Buddhist monks were able to regulate their body temperature to such an extent that they dried out the blankets through their body temperature alone. So then they were sitting in a cold room with a dry blanket around their body. Um, And the one I don't think is verified but is a really cool story is there's some sect of Buddhist monks where an initiation ritual is that they have to sit uh, without clothing in a snowy area and uh, melt the snow around their body with their body temperature alone. And so uh, those might be some really, really deep examples of um, control and awareness of these body functions uh, that Ra's talking about. Uh, but that's about all I can think of for that answer. I'll pass it back to you, Jim. Okay, that's really good. Um, what do you think, Gary? Um, quickly, uh, what Austin said about the Buddhist monks, I'm pretty sure I've seen on film uh, this group, maybe in Tibet, they uh, may, probably in a monastic setting, they, as a group, on an annual basis, go outside of their building and spend an evening, a night, a day, two days uh, on the mountaintop with the wet blanket scenario uh, with snow falling on them and they dry out the blankets by um, regulating their body temperature. I could swear I've like seen that on film. But anyways, um, moving along, uh, Austin's reply, my own will be, um, he covered the bases better than I could have. Mine will be maybe say it in a different way, be kind of complimentary. Um, so far as detachment, I think Austin said it well by adding the element of awareness into it. I think that really unlocks what Ra means. 
And so far as I can understand regarding detachment, control with detachment, um, Ra is saying, don't make an identity of it. Instead, uh, you know, instead of saying, I am hungry, I am uncomfortable, I am in pain, rather than perhaps the body experiences hunger, the body experiences discomfort, the body signals the sensation of pain, etc. If you're making it personal and making an identity of it, then you are losing the witnessing awareness. Like Austin says, you may be possessed by it. Is sex having you or are you having sex? And you're seeing through the lens of a separate identity. And you're probably then trying to avoid what you're feeling or change what you're feeling or if in the event of a positive feeling, cling to that feeling and hold on to it somehow. But if you're detached with awareness, you are seeing the bodily experience or condition as one quality among others, and you are looking to that sensation or feeling or condition for the lessons and information it contains. You are allowing it to serve its purpose. The control part, um, that's a bit more tricky because Ra generally associates the action of control with the negative polarity. Um, I wish they would have used the verb to direct, uh, as in the various functions, quote, the various functions of the body need understanding and direction with detachment that would be a change in nuance that i think would be more accurate but i can only guess because i'm not in Ra's sixth density social memory complex unified brain um and i can't say what precisely rob hmm um and perhaps what Ra means by control of the body in this context can be linked to what they describe in book four when they're talking to Don about archetypes and they talk about the uses of the body having a balance between love and wisdom. There surely is a bridge between those concepts. Uh, what that is is beyond the scope of my reply right now. Um, and finally, regarding the connection between energy centers and glands, it's a really interesting take and uh, there certainly are those connections, but whether Ra is alluding to such here is completely unknown to me. And uh, I wanted to say a personal thank you to Nicholas. He's um, um, been a regular on the forums for a lot of years and is a, a supporter of LL Research, and we really appreciate his presence and questions. And back to you, Jim. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Nicholas. We appreciate it a lot. Um, as Austin was saying, uh, all of these functions of the body, the, the breathing, the sexual sharing, even seeing, hearing, eating, sleeping, elimination, physical work, everything that we might do, we do uh, out of a choice we make mentally. And I think that mentally is where we first see the distortions or the lessons that we programmed previous to the incarnation coming to pass in our, uh, the way we live our lives day by day. And I think that what Ra is saying about um, uh, the body functions need to be uh, understood and controlled with detachment goes with anything that we do. Uh, the balancing exercises that Ross suggested were to help bring us back to the point, uh, what Carla called the zero point of unconditional love, so that whatever we're experiencing is uh, resulting in, in love as far as we're concerned. So if we see we're attached to uh, some way of um, uh, hearing things in a certain way or seeing or eating or sleeping, if we're using that function of the body to give ourselves uh, pleasure or if we use it to cause ourselves distress or if we are confused by something concerning it, if we're, uh, our sleeping has become odd and it, it's not serving us to rest us and so forth, we can use these distortions to help balance our overall being 
and use these uh, illustrations of the functions of the body to uh, be indicators of where we need to focus our attention in our balancing. So that's what I have to offer. Does anybody have any final thoughts on that question? Not on my end. Not for me. Okay, uh, we're at the end of our regular 30 minutes. Do you want to tackle his second portion and finish it up or wait till next time? Yeah, I think my answer is pretty short for that one. How about you, Gary? Yeah, mine's on the shorter end, too. Okay, <laughs> then we'll go up. The second <laughs> question is, the second part involves my belief that I came across an understanding related to our elemental body without form that Roy referenced in 47.8. And then here, uh, Nicholas goes on to share a story about he had a physical ailment and intuited a remedy, which was a blessing water and splashing it over his head, solving his ailment. We shorten the story for the sake of the show. Anyway, after this intuited remedy, I sought to try and understand this experience via raw. Here's the relevant part of 47.8 that got me thinking. Quote, the red ray body is your chemical body. However, it is not the body which you have as clothing in the physical. It is the unconstructed material of the body, the elemental body without form. This basic unformed material body is important to understand, for there are healings which may be carried out by the simple understanding of the elements present in the physical vehicle. Now, this, to me, seems like a somewhat of a challenging question. Austin, what do you think of it? <laughs> um, there is a little bit more of Nicholas's question. I'll read it real quick. Oh, wait, it's on the back, um, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, here it is. <laughs> I could just turn a page over, couldn't I? <laughs> now, the context in Don's question was metaphysical, and so I assume Ra's answer was, too. H2O is water, chemically, identically, and the predominant element within our formed body. So my question is here, I've grasped the importance, or have I grasped the importance, or am I not paying enough attention to the however it is not the body which you have as clothing in the physical? Further, do you suspect that Ra is referring to the blessing of water, whether it be ingested, or as I did, in a cavalier, intuitive type of self-baptizing way, when we use the term healings? Beyond these queries, would you care to add anything more than what I specifically asked? That was not such a challenging question. <laughs> um, I, my answer is short because uh, I really don't have a lot of ideas or um, an answer for Nicholas but so far as I can tell I think he is on the right path of thinking and the way that I've always interpreted Ra saying that the red ray body is not the body which we have as clothing in the physical is that the body that we inhabit is not simply made up of chemical elements it is made up of greater more intricate forms of consciousness and electromagnetic fields and things like that but these chemical elements uh, appear to be in the form of our body as we have them right now uh, but as Ross said they're actually formless without taking on these more complex bodies uh, that give it more meaningful form so essentially uh, you might say that uh, this body is the same as if we separated out all the chemical elements in our body and put them in separate piles. It's just that uh, thanks to these other bodies that we have at the time, uh, they also appear to be in the form of our more intricate bodies. So um, that's sort of my interpretation. I don't know how close it is to what Ra was talking about, uh, but I feel like Nick might sort of be onto something in that... Um, he used water as a healing mechanism, and our body is mostly water. Uh, I suspect that it might go much deeper than that. Um, a short example might be like uh, Ra talked about their communication with infinite rockness when they um, formed the pyramids. Maybe a healer can have a form of communication with infinite calciumness <laughs> if there's something going on with the calcium in our bodies uh, or something like that. So, um, 
along those lines, an understanding of the chemicals that make up our body could help the healer have a very deep understanding of uh, what those chemicals are doing within the body and how to communicate with them. Other than that, I'm really not sure if I have anything more to offer, Nicholas. It's a mystery to me. Uh, pass it back to you, Jim. Okay. Uh, Gary, what's your idea here? Mystery, likewise, to me, it wasn't until, as often happens, that I began considering this question that I even um, was able to make any sort of headway into the question, um, thanks to the question. Uh, I chose to focus on a few different parts of uh, Ra's statement, uh, the first of which was they described the the red ray or the elemental body as the, quote, unconstructed material of the body. And um, that sounds to me like the base level of the body that meets the strictest definition of foundational or fundamental as possible that is literally those things and by unconstructed i take that to mean how, how do i want to put this um if you look at second density life it, it's it's second density that begins to use this raw unconstructed unformed material um, to organize and construct them in ways that utilize and animate these elements for life. So prior to even single-celled organisms and all the way up to um, plant life and um, our pets and elephants and so forth, um, prior to those organizing minds or bodies or principles, those elements are in their raw, unformed, unconstructed unanimated, if that's correct to say, I don't know, state. And then, as to Ra saying, understanding of the elements present in the body. They talk about healing taking place by understanding of the elements present in the body. Is Ra speaking of quantity and ratio? Uh, in which case, then, healing could be undertaken by adding more water if there was a deficiency, or toning down fire if there was an overabundance, or balancing earth and air if there was an imbalance. Or, when Ra says, understanding of the elements present in the body, are they speaking of the quality of the elements present? Um, if so, the next supposition regarding uh, blessing of water uh, would be correct and on the right path. To bless that element within the body would be to infuse it with love light, to uplift it, to bring it into higher expression, and so forth. So um, that's, uh, beyond that, I have no idea, and that's about the, the most headway I can make of it, but it's a really good question. Yeah, well, that was a good answer too, Gary. Good job. Um, with so many of these questions and answers that we got from Ra, uh, it would have been good if we'd had a few more questions to uh, flesh out some of what they were saying. So we kind of have to go by, I guess, my golly in some of these instances here. And I think this is one of them. Uh, the unconstructed material of the body, I think, is something similar to uh, a blueprint uh, for the body or the foundation from which the body is uh, built or constructed. It would have to do, with, I would assume, with DNA, with the various uh, chemicals and elements, uh, like you've already mentioned, the water. And the fact that the water that he splashed over his head did the job kind of suggests that he was on the right track. So, you know, and Gary, you mentioned the calcium, or Austin, you mentioned calcium. And body fluids, uh, blood, bone, skin, nerves, flesh, all of these things that uh, are some of the basic constructions of the body, basic elements, uh, could be affected by um, visualizations, um, by diet, by meditation, uh, use of the will. 
I think the, that we can always affect whatever's happening in our body by our will and by our meditation. And then maybe through uh, those techniques, we might discover that there's something we need to do in the realm of uh, physical exercise or of diet or in, in just or basically how we're looking at uh, certain aspects of our life and certain aspects of our own bodies. Um, we all have to, in some sense, become comfortable with our bodies, uh, starting as when we're children, because I think that when we're children, we're fairly well uh, open to various ideas about uh, who we really are, and that a lot of the culturation in this country is that we are our body. We're, we're tall or short or fat or thin or blonde or brunette or whatever, whereas we're really a spirit that's got a body, and it's, there's various kinds of bodies to have. So the way we look at ourselves and how we use our will in relating to ourselves, I think, is, is most important here, and that that could also lead to various healings if there was something that we were aware of within um, some portion of our physical vehicle uh, on a very basic level of you know, imbalances in the bloodstream, imbalances in nerve receptors, um, that there there is a way that we can use our will to... Um, I think Rob at one point mentioned that we can remove toxic thought patterns from our uh, mind-body-spirit complex by engaging in fasting or in the just the pure use of the will to decide that that is no longer part of our being. So that's what I've got there. Any final thoughts? Uh, none for me. Great answer. Yeah, uh, none for me either, but I also appreciate that answer a lot. Okay, folks, you've been listening to the LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us questions for our next pod show, please read the instructions on the page at www.llresearch.org podcast. And new episodes are published to the Weekly Archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. We want you all to know that we love you very much. When you look into the mirror, see the Creator. When you look at your friends and family, see the Creator. Love each other and help bring each other home. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful week.